my privilege to introduce you <coughs> our speaker today. <coughs> he's a friend, and he's been an example and inspiration to me and to many who know him. Is he a hero? No, not. He won't call himself a hero. Do you call him a normal Christian? Yes. He read his Bible, hear the word of Jesus. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he obeyed those words. And he left his home country of South Africa over 30 years ago and spent the rest of his life in Japan as missionaries in the northern part where it snows almost every day in the winter and the snow is this high. He showed some pictures that the snow is so high it reached up to the roof of the houses. But he came from South Africa where it was totally different. He spent his entire life obeying the Lord, serving Him faithfully. And he retired last year, but now in his retirement age, he is the associate pastor of a Japanese church in New Westminster. And we appreciate his coming to share with us what is in his heart and what the Lord has laid on his heart for us this morning. So please welcome Tony Spritz with me as Tony comes. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be uh, with you. And uh, like one uh, speaker said after he was introduced in such glowing terms, he said, I can hardly wait to hear what I have to say. Uh, but it's nice for us to be here together and uh, just to open ourselves to what God wants to say to us here today. And I trust that as we look into His Word, that God will speak to us and bless us as we listen and obey what He has to say. Let's just read together uh, from First Kings chapter 3. I think it's in your bulletin, the page number, if you have a pew Bible. First Kings chapter 3. From verse 5 to 9. Actually, I'll read from verse 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and said, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown me, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the peoples you have chosen, 
a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? I'd like today uh, to talk on the subject of prayer. Uh, Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Uh, this is really important for us as Christians, that uh, prayer is uh, essential for us as Christians. Uh, we cannot be uh, a faithful Christian if we neglect prayer. Well, most Christians would not neglect prayer, but how much do we really make that an emphasis in our Christian lives? Uh, I've moved around from church to church, uh, especially when we were missionaries in Japan and coming back, and time and time again, in fairly large-sized churches, the common theme is that our prayer meetings are very poorly attended. Very few people come to the prayer meetings. Of course, we don't have to come to a prayer meeting to pray. We can pray at home as well. We can pray anywhere. The question is, do we? And in our busyness, how much priority do we really place upon prayer? Someone has said, you are closest to God when you pray to Him. I think that's true. Uh, when we pray, even in a group, it's us praying to God, but when you by yourself pray to the Lord, that is when you really feel the presence of God. That is when we really realize who we are ourselves as we individually talk to God. Uh, sometimes when we pray in a group, uh, we can be conscious of other people and we don't open up fully, we don't share fully from our heart. But when we pray to God individually in that quiet place, that's when we really come face to face with God and perhaps face to face with ourselves as we open ourselves to God in prayer. So this morning as we just briefly look at the prayer of King Solomon, uh, one person, you can look at the prayers of Abraham and various people in the Bible. Uh, when we read the Bible, it's not how did Solomon do this or that or whatever, but it's what can I learn through the life of Solomon? Why is this recorded in God's Word? It is for us to study and to think about and to learn from this and to find ourselves where am I in this situation? What challenge comes to me? So for a Christian, prayer is like breathing. And so we look at Solomon here, first of all, and we see in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, we read these words. And it's on your handout too, I believe you've got a handout, so it should be written there. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Isn't that an unfortunate term, except? Solomon did this except that he did something else that was obviously not pleasing to God. We look at this sentence, this verse that's written here for us, and 
Solomon loved the Lord, served the Lord, honored the Lord, did everything that a Christian or God-fearer should do, except he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Who did he offer and who did he offer sacrifice, sacrifices and burn incense to? It was to God. All the other people were doing that as well. But God had said that the believers were not to follow the pagan worshippers of their gods and go up on the high places and offer sacrifices and burn incense as the pagans did. They were to burn incense and offer sacrifices in Jerusalem. And Solomon should have known that. His people should have known that. But perhaps to give Solomon a little bit of room, everybody else was going up on the mountains and burning incense and offering sacrifices, but that was in contravention to what God had said. Maybe it's not so bad. God said this, but everybody else is doing it, so it should be okay. And as we as Christians today in our society, this sort of challenge comes to us as well. A lot of other people are doing certain things, but if it's in contravention to what God has said, it is wrong. Even if prime ministers and presidents and what have you say certain things which are in contravention to what God said, it is wrong. God is always on the side of right. He is never on the side of wrong or doubt. God speaks clearly and He wants us, His people, to walk in obedience with Him. So what a, what a tragic thing. We see a weakness in Solomon. Although he was blessed with wisdom, although he was worshipping God, although he was a fine example, yet in this situation, this weakness in his character, God said it, but it should be okay. If I do it, then all the people would say, yes, that's the right thing to do. But God said, no, don't do that. And so we see Solomon, in the beginning, slipping up. Everyone is doing it, it must be okay. No. What does God say? How should I live as a Christian? Can I just put aside what God says in His Word is right and we class it as wrong or vice versa? That God said it's wrong and we say it is right. No. We cannot do that. Just a few points here. First of all, we look at the ways of addressing God. You know, it's interesting as you read the Bible, various people use different terminology to worship and to address God. And I think as we read our Bible, there are many different ways that we can call upon the name of the Lord, that we can address Him. In verse, Sol- in verse 7, Solomon addresses God and he simply says, O Lord, my God. That's a beautiful statement that Solomon made in front of everyone. He is king. He is going to be the wisest king. God had blessed him with wisdom and honor and what have you. And yet, before the people, he humbles himself. He submits himself. Oh Lord, he is king, but 
because God is Lord. My God is personal. I believe in God. He is my God. He acknowledges this, he testifies to this fact in front of the people and he sets the course of how the people should follow and obey. In Numbers chapter 14 verse 18 we read these words The Lord is slow to anger abounding in love forgiving sin and rebellion I read those words just the other day and during my own prayer time I always pray uh, loving Heavenly Father or uh, some terminology our Father in Heaven or something like that but as I read these words, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion, to turn to God in prayer and say, Lord, you who, are, you who abound in love, you have forgiven my sin. Thank you that you are the gracious, loving God. Thank you for your patience to me. Ways of addressing God and varying these ways of talking to God can be a real blessing to us as well. There are many things, many ways that we can address God. He is the Creator, He is the Merciful Heavenly Father, He is the Maker and Sustainer of the Universe. I think in springtime our thoughts turn more to creation and perhaps at other times of the year as we see the changing scene taking place. Especially when I was in Japan with, uh, as Philip said, six meters of snow every year. Uh, to see the white change to green and the flowers come up, it's just, and the change in leaves in the autumn, in the fall, it's just really wonderful and it's your heart turned to thank God for His creation. His creation. Now Jesus once prayed and He said, Daddy. He said, Abba, which is the Aramaic word for Father, but that's the word that little children use to talk to their dads. And Jesus called his heavenly father, he said, Dad, Daddy, Holy Dad. Real intimacy. So when we pray to God, to use words that come from our heart, that call God by his rightful name, and God, his character is so big and so wide and so varied, to use different names in calling God. The same God, the only God, can be a real blessing to us. So I would challenge you, as I've been challenged myself, as you read your Bible, look at the names that people have used to call, to address God. And use those in your prayers as well. And that will be a blessing to you. It's easy to come formal and set in our ways and to say words and to say prayers that don't have much meaning. I think sometimes, for myself too, when we say the Apostles' Creed or the Lord's Prayer, it's easy just to rattle it off without really being blessed, without really coming from our hearts and thinking about what we are saying. So just to clarify, I'm not saying to use the same words in talking to God uh, is wrong. But it can be a blessing and will be a blessing if we look for ways that people have used and written to address God. We turn to uh, verse 9, 9 to 13. We won't read all of this, but just looking at 
Solomon's prayer life. He said in verse 9, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Prayer that touches God's heart. What sort of prayer really communicates with God? Well, for prayer to touch God's heart, it must first come from our heart. As we pray to God, it must come from our heart in speaking to God. He's not interested in a set form of words and sentences. He wants to know, as she does know already, but he wants to hear from our mouth words that come from our hearts. Words that reflect the real me, the real you. Not pretending, not acting, not saying the right words if you don't really mean them. But to really speak with God means, as I said before, to come alone with God and to open ourselves, as it were, and for God to see our hearts and to be for us to be blessed by His presence as we speak with our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Dad. Prayer that touches God's heart is prayer that is also based and backed up by righteous living through the week. Not just on Sunday, but through the week. As we live as Christians, as we seek to walk with the Lord, prayer that touches God's heart comes from people who want to be obedient, who desire to be obedient, who desire to hear God's word and live according to it. Even if it means personal cost and difficulty in the process, to be a real Christian, to be an obedient, faithful Christian, God loves to hear the prayers from His children who walk with Him. So prayer that touches God's heart means that we should live righteously, as well. And Prophet Micah, he said, what does God require from us? What does God require from you? He has told you what he wants. He has said, act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Act justly, do that which is right. Love mercy, be kind, be loving, be forgiving of others. And walk humbly with your God. You walk humbly with God and you realize how great God is. When we forget how great God is, then we become proud of ourselves and our accomplishments and we lose humility. We are encouraged to walk humbly with our God and in fellowship with Him. Solomon prayed for discerning hearts and distinguishing right and wrong. For us as Christians today, we have to pray the same prayer. What is right and what is wrong? How do you decide what is right and what is wrong? There are many people who are saying things that perhaps our parents said were wrong. They are saying it's right, it's okay. Every society's values are changing all the time. Things that we feel are right and good later could be classed as bad and not good. 
How do we stand firm? How do we stand fast? How do we teach Sunday school children and our own children, our grandchildren? How do we teach them unchanging values, things that are good? How do we teach them to live in a changing society? The Word of God and by His Spirit He gives us that help. And we have to pray for ourselves and for those that we love that they would have discerning hearts to distinguish between right and wrong. Now Solomon was king. What he said would go. No one could contradict him. Perhaps if you did, you'd be out of it. He was all powerful. He didn't have to answer to any other person. If he said something, everybody said, yes, that's right. But Solomon knew, as he stood before God, that there was one higher than he, one greater than he, one who had more authority than he, that he would have to answer to. And so he said, Lord, give me a discerning heart that I would know from your standpoint what is right and what is wrong. And this is something, as I say, that we as Christians have to seek and we have to hold on to and we have to pass on to others as well. Solomon did not pray for benefits for himself in verse 11. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth or for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering, administering justice, I will do what you have asked and I will grant you more. I will give you the things that you have not even asked for. I think if the Lord had to say to me, or perhaps to you, ask anything. What would you want me to do for you? Uh, perhaps I would, we would say, Lord, help me to be successful. Help me to be happy. Help me to be healthy. Help me to have a long life. A common theme. Help me. Solomon said, Lord, help me to accomplish that which you want me to do. It's your kingdom. You're the main one, not me. He did not ask for any personal benefits directly for himself, other than to distinguish between right and wrong, that he might govern in accordance with God's desire. So prayer that touches God's heart is prayer that seeks God's will for our lives. When we pray, we end our prayers and we say, in Jesus' name. That's just not a, a rubber stamp or a secret message to God that uh, I've used Jesus' name, so please give me all this. now. When we say, in Jesus' name, we say that we feel that this is in accordance with the heart of Jesus. That this is what Jesus himself would pray. We feel that the Holy Spirit praying through us that this is what God wants for me and for you and for others for whom we pray. In Jesus' name, according to Jesus' will. Prayer that touches God's heart. We know that verse, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And that's what Solomon did in his prayer. He sought God's kingdom first. And the other things that maybe he did desire, he put that aside. He put God's program first. 
and all these other things will be added to you. We have to move on. Time's slipping on. Just jumping down to uh, chapter 8, 22 to 24. Just flip over the pages to chapter 8. Posture when praying. 22 to 24. Just a verse here. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. Another beautiful way of addressing God. A God, there's no one else like you. You are the only God in heaven above and earth below. You are the God who keeps your covenant, covenant of love. You are a loving God who keeps your promises. Thank you God for who you are. Solomon lifted up his hands. I'm not, I'm not saying that we, when we pray, we shouldn't necessarily live up, lift up our hands. But there are various ways that we can adopt in praying to God. Often, when we pray to God, we are sitting. There's nothing wrong with that, that's fine. But uh, sometimes when we're sitting too easily in our chairs, it doesn't take too long before from prayer we can go to dozing. And uh, with our eyes closed, nobody else knows, and we hope they don't know. And we can slip into that pattern. But you know, what about changing our posture sometimes and kneeling again? when we pray by ourselves in our bedroom, wherever we go, to kneel. When last have I knelt in praying to God? I get used to certain ways of, of praying to God, certain postures. When I was in Japan in the early, uh, late 70s, 80s, we used to sit on zarbatons, on the cushions on the floor. And... Um, your back used to nearly break with the agony. Your legs used to go to sleep and your tail got numb. And I used to sit there thinking, when is this going to end? Uh, and then someone would say, let's have a time of prayer. And I noticed all the other Japanese pastors would quickly shuffle and tuck their feet underneath them and sit properly on the uh, cushions. I couldn't move. I was always looking for the wall to support my aching back. And sitting there and as we pray I say Lord let this prayer not go on too long because I don't know if I can stay much longer just your legs sort of freezing up on you but I noticed that the posture of the Japanese pastors tucking their legs in and sitting up straight and praying to God was an indication of the posture or the attitude of the heart of being respectful to God and so, when we talk about whether we raise our hands or we don't raise our hands, whether we kneel or whether we sit, whether we put our hands like this or this way, these are all secondary things. The, the key, the most important thing is the attitude or the posture of our heart towards God. When we come to Him and pray, do we really have a consciousness that God is Creator he knows us. He made us. 
He is the one who has given us life and we are going to Him one day as well. Do we remember that He is the one who gave His only Son, Jesus, for us? To that extent He loves us. Do you remember the grace of God to us that He has cleansed us and forgiven us and made us acceptable in Jesus? That we can come right before Him do we remember these things? Is our heart sort of overflowing with love in our prayers as we come before him? Solomon is looked at later in this uh, section of his long prayer. It ends in uh, verse 54. He was humbly kneeling before God next to the altar and he got up and then he spoke to the people after he had finished his prayer. The most important posture for us is a right attitude of love and thankfulness to God as we pray to Him. Solomon's long prayer, if you read it from verse um, uh, 22 right through to 54, we see that he took his time. It was a long prayer. He prayed for various things. Mostly, he prayed for the people. He said, these are your people. He didn't say, these are my people, this is my nation, I am their king. Solomon had a consciousness that the people were God's people. It was for God's people that he was praying. And this comes to us that we as Christians, that we should be praying for one another, that one another, that we all together are God's people. That the brothers and sisters, first and foremost, are God's children. That if we are a pastor, if we are a Sunday school teacher, if we have any place of authority, a mother or father with the children, grandparents with their grandchildren, we are in place of authority. But these children, these people, brothers and sisters, first and foremost, this church is not our church, it's God's church. And we serve God in His church. We serve one another, but basically we are serving God by serving one another, by praying for one another. And Solomon knew this, and he picked up on this, and he said, these are your people. It's your, it's your, these people are your people, God, and you have placed me in this position. Help me to govern. Help me to teach. Help me to be the example that you want to, me to be. My time has come to end, but quickly turn with me to uh, chapter 11. And just a few verses from chapter 11 as we end off here. This is a very sad chapter in the life of Solomon. Chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. Here's that word again. Solomon worshipped God, however, except... He went up on the high places and he offered incense and burnt sacrifices. However, here we have King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. I guess in those days, Solomon, he had, uh, was 300 wives and, or 600 wives and 300 concubines or vice versa. How he managed all that, I don't know. Most men find 
it's uh, more than enough a handful to manage one wife or to, to relate to one wife and pass one wife to one husband. We feel that's, that's the right number. And how Solomon married, I don't know. But he loved many foreign w- women and behind that, these foreign women brought their foreign gods into Solomon's house, into the palace, into the place, his very home. The place where he had dedicated to God and God alone and worshipped God alone. Little bit by little bit, Solomon's resolve, Solomon's commitment to God was being eroded. And as he got older, it says that in verse 3, that these wives led him astray. Solomon was playing around with sin. He knew God had given him wisdom to know what is right and what is wrong. Surely he knew marrying these other women who worshipped foreign gods and brought their gods. And in the end, Solomon even built altars on top of the mountains and top of the high places so that his wives could worship their gods. How the great have fallen. What a tragedy it is for us as Christians after knowing the truth and walking with God and honoring God we do something that dishonors God and it sets a bad example and weakens the testimony to brothers and sisters. Solomon who knew what was right and wrong in the end, was a miserable failure. And you know, if Solomon, who was so blessed and was so close to God, could fall like this, that we too should take care that we not only start well, but that we finish well, that we honor God, that we walk according to the Spirit of God, that we pay heed to what God says in His Word to us, and that we come close to God through our prayers. Someone has said, which comes first? Because we fall into sin, we stop praying? Or because we stop praying, we fall into sin? Which comes first? Leonard Ravenville said, a sinning man stops praying. That's true. When we sin, we don't want to pray. When we sin, we don't even want to look at our uh, uh, our face in a mirror because we know we've done wrong we know we displease God a praying man stops sinning the more we pray we come close to God and we know the heart of God and we desire to do the things of God when we stop praying we can continue living as a Christian but the heart begins to leave us and it's easy for Satan to trip us up and we fall into temptation and we move away from God little bit by little bit as Solomon moves away it wasn't a big step Solomon didn't intentionally do that I don't think but step by bit he moved away and in the end all his wives were doing this so surely that must be acceptable they were all doing it that's okay no it's not okay God had said he is the only one he is the one to whom we should come. 
And so my challenge to you and also to me today from the life of Solomon and we've gone really quickly through it so please look at this section in your Bibles later and see if God has something further to say to you. The challenge is for us to watch our prayer life and to make it something that is really beneficial to us and it's not something we just do because it's the time to do it but it's something that we want to do we want to come to God we want to come to Him to talk with Him Jesus got up early in the morning late at night went to a quiet place and He met with God, His Father let us do likewise as we live our lives Amen shall we just pray Lord, thank you for your word to us today. I pray that your word would fall on fertile soil in our hearts and that we are put into practice that which you tell us. In Jesus' name, Amen.